We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, the week two NFL preview. A lot to get to, a lot to unpack from week one. What can we apply lesson-wise from week one into, into this week, or do we have a whole new batch of storylines coming our way? Let's get into it. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, John McKechnie. That is Mario Puig. I believe he's wearing a Beavis and Butthead shirt. Is that correct for the for the? Uh, yeah, it's a Beavis it, and Butthead shirt. That... Yeah. <laughs> I've only been wearing it for three days now, so it's probably got another three or four to go. There we go. You know, you you know, just like uh, the the weeks of the football season. That that's like that's your week two shirt. I'm wearing as long as uh, you uh, don't spill on a shirt, like don't spill ketchup or whatever. You can kind of ride it out for a surprisingly <laughs> long time. I've got um, a Ravens shirt on that I, I believe is from the Beavis and Butthead era. Like it's got the oh, okay. the, the the shield with the B with the wings that uh, they, they got. In, yeah, they got some sort of uh, copyright imbroglio with, with some Balmer guy who claimed he uh, he made that design. So that's why today we have that angry looking Raven bird as the mascot, as as opposed to the regal B. Um, but enough history lessons for y'all. Uh, before we get into uh, week two of the NFL slate, and you see anything crazy on the uh, on the waiver wire this week? What was the what was the most nutso um, bid that you saw? Well, I wouldn't describe it as nuts, but uh, I guess the highest figures were for. Well, I, I do think Justice Hill's figures were a little uh, overboard. The Puka Nakua numbers are pretty big expenditures but it's hard to argue against it i wasn't personally putting in those bids but i could see i could understand why someone might and if my particular team in question had worse receivers i could have very much been bidding more but uh he would have been a bench player for my team so i, I only put like uh like 10 percent or something that was it was literally like a is like what uh, th- i think like 330 something 350 something is what he usually went for so i didn't get a third of the way there but uh yeah it's not because i thought it was like a bad idea or anything it's just uh you know it's, uh, the longer cooper cup is out the, the the more sane the puka nakua bids especially but I, I do think there's a bit of a window closing element there if cup you know were to get back in a timely fashion 
Yeah, ex exactly. So that that's really going to dictate it. So we're, we're we really might not know as far as how well this week one uh, bit of Palooza is going to go until C Cup gets back. The longer Cup stays sidelined, though, uh, the more pessimistic that um, you know we might not see him for for some time. This is totally conjecture, but um, you know the the concerns that people had about Cup going into draft season before he even got hurt was you know he he's coming off the injury. He's not a spring chicken anymore by wide receiver standards. We're worried about this offense, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, they obviously were one of the big surprises um, of week one. Um, for, for me, like it, uh, similar to you, I, I have a decent amount of Nakua in best ball, like 12, 13%. So that's a big uh, number. I, I bet you're one. I bet you're among the leaders for, for that figure. Uh, I kind of I want to pat myself on the back, but it, it was more just like kind of tea leaf reading on, on uh, just like how bad the rest of that Rams receiving core Sands Cup. Hey, it's not working. easy. It's not easy to make the call that a fifth round wasn't he like a late fifth round or two, but a fifth round pick uh, rookie from BYU is going to whatever outproduce uh, two second rounders. Neither of them mm -hmm. a good idea. Second rounder, mind you, but Atwell and Jefferson were both second round picks. So, uh, yeah, it was it was not a layup or at least like if you conventionally use that process, you, you get a lot of stinkers. So uh, obviously you don't fall for every fifth round hype case. So it, it, there's a there's a more um, you made the shot and not for luck like some others might have. There we go. Yeah. So feeling OK there. And then I, I did. I was surprised just again because I have the best ball brain. Uh, I, I kind of figured that I must have stayed away in, in most of my redrafts, but I, I ended up having him on, on a handful of like the, the industry and in, in deeper formats and home leagues. He was obviously available and um, you know, he, he went for more than I was uh, comfortable with, with giving because like you said, my roster construction el uh, elsewise wasn't set up to where uh, I needed to spend 30% on, you know, something that, that could yeah. backfire. Yeah. Um, Let's uh let's press forward. Let's uh let's hit this Thursday night game to uh to kick things off. So we've got the Vikings who fell very flat. Uh that they were they were the best uh one score team in the league last year and one of the best ever if I'm if I'm not mistaken and uh that got corrected right off the jump against Tampa Baker. Um and now they go into Philly and uh I mean we we we've seen this number actually come down a little bit. Um, it, it was Eagles seven, seven and a half, I want to say, um, a, as of Monday. And now we're looking at six and a half at, at BetMGM and six at PointsBet. So um, your your thoughts on, on this matchup, how, how it's going to shake out, and then from, from the fantasy angle, um, you know, what, what are you looking for from this Eagles backfield, one of the more befuddling things that happened from week one? Uh, as far as answering the backfield, I don't know where to start because – it's just coming down to kind of like the impulse of Nick Sirianni or whatever offensive coordinator, whoever made the call. It's not based on results. It's not based on anything. Any of the players have done. It was some other thing. And I can't know what that is. I can't know what uh, any of the other, what Swift or Penny can do to change it. seems like they wanted to just run the ball with Gainwell. Cause they just think he's the coolest guy among them. I don't know what the results again, do not have any merit at all. So uh, if they want to keep using a running back, with a career average of 4.3 yards per carry, who does not have a 20-yard carry over 135 NFL attempts, 
Uh, I, I don't even know how. When is the last time Rashad Penny went like 14 carries without a 20 yard carry? He's got 16 on his last 176. I mean, give me a break. It's just a joke. So, um, the what the Eagles did was they made the choice to not have as many yards as they could have, and they almost lost for it. They should have lost for it. Um, in you know a karmic sense. Uh, I'm not trying to take credit away from the defense for the pick six, but they were really lucky to get out with the win there. And if they had lost, the difference would have been in the fact of their running back personnel usage. So if they're willing to play their odds that way, I don't know why they would be deterred in any other scenario. Like if, if you, if you're okay, almost blowing it like that, then I don't know why you wouldn't be every other week, but uh, with Gainwell hurts, uh, you know, if he's, if he's not available, then, I don't know what the new standard is. I mean, it seems safe to say Swift is ahead of Penny, but even Swift, I mean, he will not get you the returns as a ball carrier that Penny will. So the Eagles need to find themselves at a point where they they decide they need more yards, basically. Uh, they right now are choosing that they're, they're, I think, somewhat arrogantly saying we don't need it. We got other things that we place uh, value above other than results. And uh, against the stupid Vikings, I doubt they pay for it. I mean, the Vikings suck. They looked awful in week one. They looked awful last year. The offensive system, I, I thought, might have been, you know, a little clunky in the first year. And I thought, well, maybe in the second year, you know, Cousins there, uh, Hawkinson there through the offseason, maybe they'll figure out the problems in the middle of the field that they had last year. And they didn't. Uh, Hawkinson is uh, less of a big play threat than last year. And he was already averaging six yards a target last year. And uh, it's not Hawkinson's fault. It's that there's a structural issue or Kirk Cousins has some kind of problem with throwing to the middle of the field. I don't know which it is. Maybe it's both. Uh, the other thing is KJ Osborne has to go to the bench. He's terrible. Oh, he's uh, really bad. It's such a joke, dude. It's <laughs> you see this all the time, and uh, you, you never see coaches pay for it. But you can see coaches do this thing where they're like, "Oh, trust me, I've seen them in practice. I know this guy isn't ready yet." You make them ready in large part by putting them out on the field. In this case, I'm talking about Addison. You know, like they're saying, "Oh, well, yes, Addison's way better than Osborne, but he's not ready yet." It's like, no, you're just misunderstanding how things work. You put your best players on the field because they're the best players. And even if they're not quote unquote ready now, the way you get them ready is by putting them on the field. You need to get your best team, uh, not just for today, but a couple weeks down the line. And even if you're right to say that Addison isn't ready to overtake Osborne, then that's a you problem and you need to address it as soon as possible. Delaying it gets you neither of what you get the dual failure objectives of losing in the meantime to the stupid Buccaneers at home. And then even if you're right, which he isn't, I'm not worried about Addison, but even if he's right to say that Addison's not ready, he's still less ready now than he would have been if you just would have given them the snaps in week one. So it's just nonsense. And uh, they paid for it. I'm glad they paid for it. But yeah, that even O'Connell, uh, dense as he must be to make that sort of decision, he, he he's being forced by desperation to abandon what he thought was true. And we're going to see Addison take over. Still, it's not enough. Uh, the Eagles got way too much. The Vikings defense is really bad in the secondary. I'm not convinced the run defense is as good as last year either. So uh, if the Eagles don't cover, I, I I don't know how it happened. I guess maybe maybe Hurts turned it over, but I don't really want to bet on that kind of like chance basis of covering. It seems less likely to happen to me than Hurts just having a really easy game because the, the Vikings defense is weak. The Patriots defense is really tough. Exactly. So that, that's why I actually liked uh, the Patriots to, to cover last week. And I think the Eagles offense looks a lot more like what we saw last year, maybe even their game against the Vikings uh, on Monday Night Football for, from last year will be a little bit more what, what things look like. But the, the backfield situation, I consider myself a, a bit of a, a Mario Post historian. 
And I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like I remember seeing you when there was all the Gainwell hype during training camp where you, where you basically spelled out exactly what was going to happen, where it's like, okay, they can make that choice to, to have Gainwell run ahead of, of Penny and, and Swift. They will be sacrificing yards by, by doing that. And that's literally what happened. But, but now, now with it, with Gainwell being dinged up and not available tonight, we'll, we'll kind of, get an interesting picture um, on, on what the, the Swift versus Penny split looks like. And if it, either of those guys are able to perform well enough to where, um, you know, Gainwell kind of retreats to what, it, what should rightfully kind of be the, the third spot um, in that backfield, in my opinion. You know, John, um, Rashad Penny is averaging 5.7 yards per carry over 337 career attempts. And that was behind offensive lines in Seattle that everyone regarded as poor or no better than average. The Eagles are generally a well-run team, but to have no curiosity about what happens when you plug in a Rashad Penny runner behind an offensive line like they have, that's that's a that's an egregiously misguided choice to make. And uh, I mean, it's a, it's bewildering that it's even gone this far. But if they give him so much as like ten carries, it's going to be difficult to put that back on the bench. Yeah, that genie uh, will not go back into the bottle. Um, let's get on to Sunday. But before we do that, uh, we got a message from our friends over at Rival Fantasy. If you're looking for a place to play head-to-head fantasy football games without the huge tournament salary caps or complicated game types, then Rival Fantasy is where you want to play this NFL season. From a twist on a classic game with Fantasy Bingo, where players generate a lineup to complete achievements and get bingo, to head-to-head fantasy challenges where you'll pick which of two players will score more fantasy points, this is the best of fantasy sports. For the 2023 NFL season, Rival Fantasy is offering new users a $200 deposit mass match plus a $25 first play voucher. They're just giving you money to, to check them out. 25 bucks at that. Rival Fantasy is so confident. You'll love the experience. They're giving you money to play out of the gate. Experience the future of fantasy sports on Rival Fantasy and become a rival today. We also have a message from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, and we are on to Sunday. Packers, Falcons. A couple of 1-0 teams squaring off at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We've got the Packers as one-point favorites on the road. Uh, Aaron Jones, uh, obviously an a, uh, injury casualty for, from the win in Chicago last week. And, and you know, on, on the Atlanta side, there's a lot to unpack for, from them. I think there's justified consternation about uh, the, the pass attempts in the passing game. And then uh, for the the Bijan Robinson first round investors, I mean, you got the touchdown. And it, it looked, you know, phenomenal. But Tyler Algier ain't going away. I actually saw him on a billboard uh, dri- driving around uh, th- this morning. So they, they love Algier here. <laughs> um, also, he he has a thing on Roku that BYU has been promoting uh, that you can watch for free. Apparently, a documentary about him. I don't know, but uh, yeah, they they. They timed it right. Uh, they 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 coordinated their their campaign with uh, the two touchdown. I didn't see that coming, by the way. I mean, I thought Algier would play like ten snaps most weeks. Or not ten, sorry, ten carries most weeks. Uh, twenty five, I guess, maybe thirty snaps most weeks. But I was surprised at how much work they were giving Algier, including in meaningful situations. And also, I was surprised at the number of times they were both on the field. Like, I, I feel like that must have happened. Like upwards of 10 times maybe i'm wrong but uh having b john robinson play almost like a flanker role with algier is like you know the the hammerhead running back that kind of makes sense it's almost like a college idea it's almost like uh it's almost like an urban like meyer offense p ryan and uh and joe mixon i was gonna say it's almost it, I, they were almost using b john robinson like florida used percy harvin and mm. that kind of makes a lot of sense actually and it makes sense too why they would let why they would have robinson maybe play a little leaner of a weight like 210 215 versus you know he has the frame he could put on 225 that wouldn't be difficult for him but it's like they kind of made the choice to have him you know almost have a more wide receiver like build in exchange for the kind of burst and start stop that he showed and you know getting him in space as a pass catcher all that stuff so i like the idea and i i think there's a way to to 
especially if defenses keep playing Kyle Pitts the way they have the last two years. There's a way to have B. John Robinson as a pass-catching threat play off of specifically the parts of the field that the defenses sell out to, to sell out against Pitts. And, uh, you know, if, if they do that, maybe getting it to B. John Robinson's a way to uh, make them pay until they switch. And if they switch to cover Robinson, then Pitts is cut loose and so on. But, man, I if that were the case, I really wish – or I. I do wish that the, the Falcons had shown more of it in week one. And uh, if they chose for some reason not to show it, then I, I or sorry, if, if I, I hope that if they, you know, if, if there's a reason why they didn't get it done, it's that they chose not to do it, that they chose to basically not show their hand. I, I, I can imagine that being a thing that a coach would do. It's just that Arthur Smith at this point kind of has less benefit of the doubt, you know, given that he's, he's kind of struggled to get, Pitts in London going and it's it seemed just more difficult at times than it's needed to be and they don't have the results to show there's no like uh you know that that offense started okay last year and then burned out the longer the season went and it's like it, it'd be one thing if Arthur Smith had in that span kept the Falcons offense competitive you know made defenses pay kept scoring points kept getting first downs but he didn't get any of those things either and it's like well It'd be one thing if you're getting nothing from Pitts because all these other guys are getting cut loose and you're winning games, but nobody's doing anything. So one week against the, the Panthers, who are pretty awful, I think it, it is possible that they held their cards back there, like they, they were saving them for later. But it's just it's just difficult to take Arthur Smith's word at that. And it's it's kind of like it seems that he's kind of resentful of the suggestion that he could do anything at all better than he has, which is. Not unexpected for a billionaire son, but it's not <laughs> ideal for making a good coach. No, no, it is not. And and I wonder also if there's a compounding factor here where the defense, again, it was against the, the Carolina Panthers, looked pretty good. Um, so that with this could be, you know, Tennessee South in a sense where it is really, really run heavy and play defense and just try to hope that your quarterback doesn't screw up. And therefore, um, you know, our fantasy investments in guys like Pitts and in, in Drake London in particular, you know, one of the more shocking uh, box score results of, of last weekend, of course, um, yeah, I'm worried that this continues a little bit. Yeah. Ritter. It's, it's, I, I'm not comfortable. He's bad. No. I, I'm, well, okay. I'm comfy with <laughs> fair, it. Fair enough. Yeah, I was like, I was gonna say, like, he's probably awful, but maybe, maybe I'm a little too. It's five games. Maybe I'm being a little. Hard. No, never mind. He sucks. Nah, uh, stinker. Yeah, it, it's fifteen of eighteen. I get that's that's kind of good, right? Eighty-three percent. Do we get points for that? Uh, <laughs> what, it's, what, was, uh, what was the yardage? It was he's better than Joe Burrow's. 115, yeah. Mm. He's better than Burrow, but they're both terrible. Uh, <laughs> well, I think that uh, London and Pitts are way too good for this to not get going a little bit. And to be fair to Ritter, and even to be fair to Smith, they only attempted 18 passes. So, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. This game is where Arthur can kind of get me to, you know, drop my complaints. If, if he shows some muscle against the Packers, then I'll believe like, okay, you, you just, you held off the gas in week one, but until that happens, it's kind of like, man, you got two all pro talents at your pass catchers. Can we please get them like four catches combined at least? Like how difficult can this be? It, it can't be. It, and yet he makes it that way. And then uh, on the Packers side, um, you know, still dinged up. They were dinged up going into last weekend and did not really seem to matter because they just, 
kind of steamrolled the Bears. I did not see that coming. The first half was a little sketchy uh, for the Packers, but yeah, I, I left to, uh, I can't remember what I was doing at the time, but I, I left to do something and come back like 45 minutes later. And oh, the Packers have run away with the game. Yep. So that, that was, um, that was an interesting result. I, I think maybe it says a little bit more about the, the Bears. Maybe it says a little it bit does. about the, I think so too. Um, and, and also I feel like, um, the, uh, the Packers defense might, might actually be, be pretty good. They've spent so much through the draft on, on uh, on that side of the ball. Um, it, it looks like may- maybe just maybe it's starting to, to pay off a little bit, but as, on the injury front here, uh, Aaron Jones and Christian Watson did not practice on Wednesday. So, um, if you're on the borderline, do you feel comfortable starting like an AJ Dillon this week? If Aaron Jones oh, is, is out, yeah. If Aaron Jones is out, AJ Dillon should be like a top twelve running back, even if you don't think he's that good. Which I, I still think he's good, but I I have concerns that you know when he was so effective at Boston College, that's him in an offense where he's getting upwards of thirty carries every week. And we've seen with Derrick Henry, not just Derrick Henry. I mean, it's 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 a you know it's kind of a cliche, but it's it's true, and it's especially true for guys who are kind of power runners, who uh, j- just just bring so much mass, like AJ Dillon and Derrick Henry. They're not going to be as good on carries one through ten as they would be fifteen through twenty, and to more degree than for smaller running backs. Like it might be true for all running backs, but it's more true for guys like Dillon, and uh, you know with with Aaron Jones there. I don't know how you fix that exactly because Aaron Jones is way too good to take off the field. You're not going to put Aaron Jones on the bench to make AJ Dillon better. That doesn't make any sense either. However, if Aaron Jones is out, I think, uh, you know, as long as the Packers don't, you know, get themselves out of the game by starting so slowly that they fall behind, they're going to need Dillon to take carries. And I think he'll get better, you know, basically over the course of the game. So if Aaron Jones needs to sit out, or, and by the way, even as someone who has a decent amount of Aaron Jones, I'm definitely a big Aaron Jones fan. If I was the Packers and Aaron Jones is at all, you know, less than, I don't know, 95%, just let him sit out. Why, why did you even pick Dylan in the second round if not to kind of like use him when it in his, his most advantageous spots? And like this would be one, and it, it has the dual purpose of, of letting Jones be healthy for a game that, you know, might matter more in the future, right? not to completely write off the Falcons, but if you can't beat them without Aaron Jones, you're, you're kind of toast anyway. Yeah, no, well said. So um, yeah, keep an eye on the, on that injury situation going into the weekend, but, but AJ Dillon certainly elevates up the rankings. Uh, should Aaron Jones uh, miss this one? Um, la- last item on, on this one, how do you see that the Packers passing game, uh, unfolding this week? Well, uh, I got to say, I, I am a fan of Romeo Dobbs, but I, I was surprised at the way that game went last week. And I specifically, as it relates to Jordan Love, remain a little concerned. Like, I'm not so sure that, uh, not that Love did a bad job or anything, but it might have been more that the Bears were a mess than it was that the Packers, you know, dictated a whole lot there. If Christian Watson is out again, that makes things a little more harrowing yet, just because like if Christian Watson was out there, you know, it, it, even if he's not getting catches, he's pulling the safeties further downfield. They're, they're rolling some coverage toward him over the top, freeing up pretty much everybody else. Uh, it's good to see that Jordan Reed wasn't uh, sorry. <laughs> Jaden Reed wasn't too uh, destroyed from that. He had one hit that looked kind of concerning, but I guess he's OK. Uh, he could get going here a little bit, I guess, 
if you're talking about matchups with the Atlanta secondary, it's whoever's away from AJ Terrell that you like to get a target, uh, assuming Jesse Bates isn't, you know, spying on them. Because Jeff Okuda, Trey Flowers, D. Alford, Mike Hughes, like these guys, I don't think can really cover players like not especially not Dobbs, but not Reed either. Uh, Reed, I only put in a lower regard because he's a rookie. I think he's he's totally good starting prospect in the long term. Could be a Musgrave game. I don't know what to think of. I don't know how the matchup works with Bates versus right. the tight ends, but uh, if Musgrave can kind of not to say Musgrave can't beat Bates when you're you know six six two fifty, you can kind of make a catch even if you're covered. But uh, yeah, three catches for fifty yards on four targets. Given the modest ambitions of the Packers passing game in that one, I think uh, you know only throwing it twenty seven times with love. There's a way for Musgrave to have some big games this year. I, I can't really see why this one shouldn't be a candidate. I, yeah, I think Musgrave uh, seems to be, you know, trending towards being one of the more productive uh, rookie tight ends this year and someone that, that could be, you know, legitimately uh, startable in, uh, in most formats. Uh, we do have a start-sit question uh, quick before we get on to our next game. Uh, Jail model. Um or uh, Michael Pittman? Of the three, I think. Yes, yeah. or Javante um, Williams. I am very much loath to ever bench Waddle. I'll take another look at this just to make sure I'm not... Uh, let's see. Uh, da, da. Not Pittman, not Javante. Yeah, I'd stick with Waddle. Yeah, I, I would as well. Javante is a little bit tempting because, you know, he's a running back, but... Um, I feel like Waddle, the big play uh, ability there, I think kind of puts him over the top. And The Patriots are we... probably going to roll some help toward Hill. Uh, I know right. that there's that, that interesting figure about Tyreek Hill struggling against Jonathan Jones, but that's not to say the Patriots are going to say, yeah, one-on-one, Jonathan Jones. You, you go handle Tyreek Hill by yourself. That's not how it happens. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. Um, I, I think Waddle gets more involved. I mean, I think Miami was pragmatic to just continue to go to Tyreek Hill as long as the Chargers couldn't stop him. And uh, you know what? They couldn't stop him. Um, yeah. Let, let's go Raiders-Bills. Bills really um, made a mess of things, to say the least, uh, m- Monday night. And the Raiders uh, went into Denver, got the win o- over the Broncos in, in ugly fashion. But, you know, that, that might be their, their style this year. Um, so, Oddly enough, we're in week two, and it feels like the Bills are at a crossroads. Yeah, I don't know what this is one of those things that it seems like will be, you know, a big part of the story of the Bills season, but maybe one of those things that we consider a rear view narrative, you know, surprisingly soon, but certainly in like a month or six weeks, we could, this could be more like a blip that we don't recall, uh, despite a lot of panic. Week one panic often. Uh, turns out to be kind of misguided i don't know how easy it is to brush away the concerns here though especially because the team has super high ambitions you know it'd be one thing if if they were a plucky you know uh, uh recently like recently re- yeah the bears uh they they can they can um you know kind of afford to suck because they were probably going to anyway and they were a long shot and all that but the Bills have been, in, in my opinion, overhyped Super Bowl candidate for going on three years now. And, you know, the heat's there now. It's it's not so easy for Sean, Mc, Sean McDermott can't tell them, like, 
oh, well, we'll be better next year. Like you've, you've had the chance two times now and you're not getting any better and you might have gotten worse. I think they probably have gotten worse or at least defenses have adjusted a little bit to that offense. And I don't think the Bills have responded at all, let alone, you know, in an effective way. Like they seem to just be kind of just kind of. I don't know, vibing their way through it at best. And even worse, the possibility is like just pressing the same buttons that worked before. Uh, you got to be I, able to. Oh, sorry, I totally thought that they were doing doing that. Um, like it seems like every off season that the bills are in, in the bills media are just like, OK, things are things are going to be different this year. We're, we're not going to have Josh Allen just run around and, and make plays. It's going to be more structured. We're also going to take some of the, the rushing work. But Maybe it is a Josh Allen problem at a certain point where he just he can't play within any you know modicum. He needs accommodation. A lot of quarter, most quarterbacks, even great quarterbacks, need some amount of accommodation. Like look at Jalen Hurts; he needs a lot of accommodation. I think he's a really good player. It makes sense for the Eagles to pay him whatever he needs to get paid, etc. But he's not playing that way on you know thirty-one other teams. So with Allen, the deal, I, as far as I can tell, is that. Yes, he requires accommodation to such extents that it basically throws away the chance for getting running backs involved with the passing game. It largely throws away the infrastructure to get a running game going at all in the first place. Uh, and the reason I say those two things is that I think the accommodation Allen needs is he needs space. He needs to be able to leverage his throwing strength over the entire field. And when the field has to be covered in its entirety, openings underneath occur more easily. His problem is that He'll never be Tom, you know, he'll never be Tom Brady, whoever is the, the per, you know, he won't even be uh, like Brock Purdy as far as processing goes. He needs to have the processing made a little easier, uh, not by like a simpler offense, but in my opinion, you get him more space. It buys him more processing time. He can, he can use the space on the field to spread the defense thinner and give himself just like wider margins to interpret the defense. But what they did instead was they cluttered the offense more by spending a first-round pick on Dalton Kincaid. And even the speed that they put on the field with Deontay Hardy, they were only using as, like, a screen. They were using him exactly like Isaiah McKenzie. And that's so insane. It, like, I, <laughs> I, I, you know, you can tell just the way I'm reacting now. Like, that made me really angry during that game because it's like, if you just needed Isaiah McKenzie, you could have just not cut him. Like, why do you want more of that nonsense? Use him. Use Deontay Hardy. Like the Saints did. The Saints knew how to use him better than you. And you can't figure, I guess Peyton was there at the time. It wasn't like a Carmichael show at the moment, but uh, at the time. But uh, Deontay Hardy is a killer downfield threat, and they didn't send him there. They just put him on the field for like like screen type stuff and go like, oh, why didn't that work? Because you are not even using Josh Allen's greatest strength, which is his arm. Why would you want to do like a West Coast offense, two tight end double uh, sorry, double tight end, West Coast offense with Josh Allen. Go four wide. Get fast receiver. Run four verts every single play. That's a better offense than what they called. So I don't know if it's – I mean, to me, it seems like Ken Dorsey is no Dable. And it seems to me that Brandon Bean has pretty severe limitations as a GM. I think he's basically a fraud. He made the Josh Allen pick. He's been coasting on it ever since. Everything else he does is a bad idea. He still doesn't have an offensive line there. The Kincaid pick was just not a good idea, at least not if they're paying Knox what they are. 
they use Gabe Davis in the wrong capacities. They signed Deontay Hardy to use him like Isaiah McKenzie. Before they wasted a second round pick on James Cook, they wanted to sign JD McKissick for what? To, to get you like three and a half yards per target? What, what did you think was going to happen, Bean? And no one's really pressing him with questions like those because like, hey, he's a sharp, he's a sharp analytical guy. He, he drafted Josh Allen and he knew that running backs don't matter. It's like, well, where did he get? What's he got to show for any of it? It, uh, it, you know, it, with the bean comment, it reminds me of uh, this Futurama episode where there's um, there, there's like a board of, of like like Professor Farnsworth and uh, Wernstrom hit his foil and it's like oh, he proved that 50 years ago and he's still coasting on it. That that's what the uh, the Josh Allen comment reminded me of. But yeah, I don't I don't think that they've necessarily built a, a great roster to to kind of you know go from a team that is perennially missing the playoffs to someone who's making the second round of the playoffs, you know, routinely, but getting from, from that point to the, to the next and then getting over the hump, which is, you know, what the media it feels like has been rooting for like aggressively for, for years now. And it felt funny on, on Monday to see the reaction, even from local bills media, like Ryan Talbot was like, the bills are a laughing stock. Josh Allen never learns. This is bad. And I was like, yeah. uh, I, I don't want to totally pretty, say that I want to bathe in it, but I mean. Yeah. And he's a pretty, he's a pretty like, I, I think, I think he would say now that he kind of overreacted to the despair of it all. But yeah, he's, he's normally like a pretty, um, what would you call it? Like even keeled. Is that the word? Like he's not a, he's so. not a, he's not a, a reporter, you know, commentator prone to hysteria, but that's, that's exactly you know what we were talking about before is like with the ambitions being what they are and and the you know the the time that has passed since those expectations were planted there's there's this there's this feeling like you know there's the boats taking on water and something's we got to do something but we don't know what to do and you can just kind of feel the, the walls closing in on you and it, it's it's stressful and i'm sure it's stressful to the bills but uh what i will say is i think they get it you know not figured out in the sense of like not letting last week's game happen again but they're figured out in the sense that they'll become more like their baseline over the past few years. Like this has been the same show for the past few. Allen has had games like this quite a few times. They just kind of brushed it off in the past, or he'd you know run for eighty yards and two touchdowns, and they'd win anyway, and they wouldn't criticize him over it. Stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it's when they're going against a tough defense, and and when you sit, if you go too high and you and you make clutter in the middle of the field, and you make Allen sit and look through sift through the clutter he tends to just kind of you know just kind of freak out a lot of the time and just start chucking the ball starts running around starts doing wyoming josh Allen stuff yeah right ex- exactly like you you could tell uh especially like when the, the the offense wasn't really moving the ball he just felt like he needed to revert to the hero ball and and force things and you know the Jets were, were uniquely well set up. They they they, did. they were putting and that on him too. Yeah, totally. But I also feel like, it, as it pertains to this game, that the Jets were uniquely well set up to yeah, you know totally. make him pay for it. Whereas the Raiders, in this case, like yeah, I think the Bills win so. this game, but I, I think the Bills do have long term problems for this season. It's just it probably won't bite them this week. Definitely not this week. Yeah, and and also they tend to do this in past years too they're probably going to really bludgeon the Raiders in this one. They're, they're probably going to do the thing where it's like, you know, Josh Allen gets back in everyone's good graces because he throws for 320 and three touchdowns and runs for a fourth. And people will be like, okay, they're back. 
yeah only in the way that they've been there the whole time you know they 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 do win games like this they do just clobber defenses like the raiders the problem like you said is when you get a defense that can punch back a little yep so it it won't matter too much this week i I think the the bill should should carry it and you know that's obviously implied in in the spread being what it is where it's eight and a half to nine and a half depending on where you're looking um let's get on over to cincinnati we got an afc north clash uh we've got the ravens going up against the Bengals. kind of a, a lot to unpack here um we've got the Bengals checking in as three or three and a half point favorites um i, I guess we'll start on the cincinnati side what the heck happened last week um john wouldn't you suspect that burrow must not be healthy like that that's even if they're kind of telling the defense the play calls ahead of time, I feel like they would do better than 82 yards on a, it's literally the worst quarterback box score I've ever seen. It's, <laughs> and it's, it's Joe Burrow. Like that's yes. crazy. T Higgins, not even getting like a target. Uh, didn't get a catch anyway. So yeah. that, that game from Burrow and the Bengals offense, the, the, John, I'm afraid there's no other comparison. It's the, uh, what is his name? The, the Sikowski era Rutgers team. Like that's the passing game that they had with Jamar Art Chase. Sikowski. Wow. Yeah. With, with, with Jamar Chase and T Higgins, they had a Sikowski era Rutgers passing game. And uh, the Browns defense <laughs> is definitely, you know, improved. They, they had a pretty weak defensive coordinator before. And I don't know if Jim Schwartz is properly good. He's seems like he's more like ti- average or tiny bit above average. And, uh, imbalanced kind of at best. Like Schwartz has his uh, kind of like pass rushing strength, but it, it's I think in the past he's kind of been undone in run defense. And uh, Mixon, I guess, did have a good game there, but yeah, it's going from Joe Woods to Jim Schwartz. That might have been a little bit of a shock for the Bengals, and I, I don't know what kind of game planning they did. If they were looking at last year's tape for that game, that was a mistake because they should have been looking at whatever Jim Schwartz tape from wherever he's been. And it's mm-hmm. a lot different than what Joe Woods was doing. So uh, the Browns defense is a lot better. It's not as concerning as if Burrow had had that game against a Joe Woods defense, but it's just tough to get past worst game ever. You know, it's, it's hard. It's hard. to It's hard to just shrug that one off, but uh, it can be more easily shrugged off. I think if you say, well, Burrow was, you know, physically limited, rusty from the lack of practice repetitions. And if so, you know, maybe not this week specifically, but it'll get better with time. And I mean, they started I, I slow. I hope year. so. What's that? Right. They started slow last year. I mean, they, yeah. they had a, a catastrophic week one as as well against the Steelers, where Burrow had at least one pick six and and some fumbles, a lot of sacks. That was bad, and this was somehow lower yet, like <laughs> yeah. safely so. So I I do chalk up the difference to the calf, or at least. I kind of feel like I have to because I have no other idea what could possibly be going on. Okay, so do, do you think that the you know the six days of rest or whatever is going to have Burrow looking better in this instance? And then on the on the Ravens side of things, they still have Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, and they lost Marcus Williams and uh, classic. Yeah, um, why? How could they never hurt? Drink? Never hurt before he got to Baltimore. And how, now he's only think? How, do, how does the strength and conditioning coach just make your pectoral muscle tear? How does that in a game? I don't understand. It seems to be like it's the, the results have been clear enough for this. This strength and conditioning coach, uh, 
Yeah, they've changed those... them a couple times. Like in, in oh, the okay. last, I think they're on their third one. Like they're trying. Maybe it's Harbaugh's they... practices. I don't know what it is. I can't they figure it out. They are for. They're known for their conditioning test being the most grueling in the NFL. Uh, so they're, they're I like don't know. A... maybe they practice too hard. Maybe Harbaugh is like NFL Saban, where it's just like his his players all have like degenerative shoulder conditions after two years because they're hitting so much in practice. I don't know, but yeah, the Ravens are beat up. The Bengals maybe are substantially beat up, especially with this Burrow question. But I don't know that they're more beat up than the Ravens. Like they they aren't. And if Stanley is not available or is limited, it's like we we all saw the Ravens' offense struggle with the Texans' defense. I think that's more excusable than, you know, the spread going in, the general expectations going in would lead someone to believe like Will Anderson and John Greenard are really good. But if Stanley's not himself, and I guess he hasn't been in like four years now, the the uh, Bengals pass rush can present some real problems. I mean, Hendrickson, of course, is like a 14 sack player. Hubbard, more like an eight sack player, but still you know, totally decent. And a lot of that's just the product of playing on the strong side most of the time. So Hubbard Hendrickson, you know, the, the Lou and Arumo, there's a lot of danger here for the Ravens. Despite me, I, I still have, you know, full faith in Lamar Munkin, all of that. I think, you know, week one, they, they probably did not use the most ambitious playbook, both because it was their first game and because it was the Texans and uh, having a game like this in week two will also make you keep, you know, your cards a little closer to the chest. So I think they have more to show, but it, even if so, it would be difficult to prove it. If Stanley is, you know, less than 85% or something, it's like, this is just another, this is like a, a real buzzsaw. Whereas week one was kind of just a, you know, awkward situation. Yeah. The, the buzzsaw still have like the plastic covering on it. Um, so <laughs> with the, with the Ravens in, in the injury front, uh, it's, I'm not expecting Stanley to play. And Linderbaum is also oh, right. Linderbaum. Uh, banged up. So that that's two very, you know, the center and the left tackle, it, it could get dicey. So that that's what kind of, I think that compounded with the Bengals being as bad as they were in week one. I think this is a bounce back spot for, for the Bengals. I, I think, you know, they, they get it done here, especially again with, with no Marlon Humphrey. I think that that Ravens secondary until Humphrey gets back is going to be very vulnerable also, John, um, like the Ravens don't really have it in them, it seems like, to kind of uh, have like a safe adjustment to that. It's, it seems like in the past when they had these terrible corners playing when various guys were out, they sort of still called the same defense. And yeah, against Chase, especially, it's like you got to be able to just spam him at the expense of everything else. And I just I don't know if they have it in them. I don't know if they can call a defense that way. Yeah, McDonald seems to have some some strange ideas that like look cool in like still shots. Like they they had um, like Ojabo lined up over the center at one point, and uh, like what's his name the the guy from Texas A and M. I'm blanking on his Matabuke? name. Yeah, Justin Matabike, like uh, like playing outside the tight end. It's like uh, okay, like that's a weird look, but like did you know? Did it work? You know what? What are you? How in your bag? He's so are you? crazy. Yeah. Wow. Um. So that that's just like that's just uh, like dog whistle for for like film guys, I guess. But um, beyond that, I, I think that the big fantasy question here, Mario, as we finish out this game, go to the next one. Um, what are your expectations on, on this Baltimore backfield um, moving forward with Dobbins obviously being out for the season? 
Um, do you, does Gus Edwards scale up and, and how much does Justice Hills scale up? Like what, what would you have uh, like bid on him in fab this week? Not much. I'm kind of low on Justice Hill, though, to the point that I'm not confident he'll hold off Melvin Gordon. And uh, it's probably the case that Gus Edwards is a worse fit for this offense than he was the Greg Roman one. But that doesn't mean that they don't need Gus Edwards now. They do because he's their only good runner as as far as I see anyway. And Hill is probably a better runner than Gordon, but maybe not like Hill, even when he hasn't been hurt, has had pretty mediocre results his whole career to the point that uh, not only about Gordon am I concerned, I think when Keaton Mitchell is healthy, it's going to be really tough to keep him off the field. I, I know he's tiny. I know he probably can't pass block. I don't care, especially when you're struggling as an offense. You see that firecracker on the bench. You're you're going to pick it up. Like you're going to you're going to say like we got to try something. Just just put Mitchell out there. He's so fast. Maybe something good will happen, and it probably will because he is really fast and he's a good runner. He's faster than Hill by quite a bit, even if Hill is somewhat fast. Mitchell's like a blur and Man, if you're if you're not moving the ball, you got to try something, and you got someone like him laying around. You you got to give it a shot. So um, Hill doesn't scale up for volume either. I didn't understand people spending a third of their fab on him because like, no. what do you think is going to happen? He's going to get twenty carries? No, he barely even it's, did that at Oklahoma State, and like he's sure as hell not getting used like he was at Oklahoma State in the NFL. So he's Justice Hill is fine. Like I don't think that like the, the overall picture for this run game is you know overly bleak um but i think that it for fantasy purposes gus edwards to me is still the guy and i I think um you know to your point on keaton mitchell when i was doing my uh uh fab on on nffc so a a deeper league a a league where you know maybe you you feel more tuned to spec on stuff and you have bigger benches i i went ahead and I, i stashed keaton mitchell because i think and if I firmly endorse it like that. That is my fantasy take uh, of the week probably is if you have bench spots and, and have the, the stomach to hold off till week five uh, before, you know, someone is active. I think Keaton Mitchell could like really unlock things and be someone that's a big fancy difference maker down the stretch. You know, John, I, I can imagine that people have found me annoying about, uh, well, a lot of reasons, of course, but the main <laughs> thing being like a lot of these running backs, uh these running back calls you know i i never shut up afterward and my god john even you don't want to see what the brand will do if keaton mitchell becomes a thing it's, oh boy it's gonna be it's gonna be a problem uh well it, as someone who who is a big fan of his as well um you know i'm i'm gonna be echoing your sentiments and and smashing that that rt button for sure um, let's go on over to Seahawks Lions. But before that, we've got um, a couple of messages here. Uh, first from our friends over at Better Vision. I think we can all agree that fantasy sports are awesome. So is daily fantasy sports and sports betting. No lies detected. That's why we have so many friggin' accounts. Ain't that true? What's not awesome is going to a bunch of different apps to find the best odds and manage all your fantasy lineups. Enter Better Vision. That's B-E-T-T-O-R Vision. Better Vision is the only app that syncs all your fantasy DFS and sportsbook accounts in one place. We only show you the best odds for every bet so you always get the best value. And our dashboard is the only one-stop shop to track all your fantasy matchups, DFS picks, and bets. 
Visit bettervision.us to download Better Vision today. I feel like I need to do that because I'm playing on like six or seven different platforms and it is a lot to keep track of. Vivid Seats, another friend of ours. Football is back. Kick off the NFL season with Vivid Seats and score tickets to all the hottest matchups and biggest games of the year. Catch every pass, every tackle, every heart-pounding play of your favorite team live and in person. And with Vivid Seats Rewards, now you earn rewards with every single purchase. Each ticket you buy gets you closer to your reward. Just buy 10 tickets and simply cash in your credit towards your 11th ticket purchase. It's that easy. Plus, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code ROTOWIRE. That's R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E. From the 50-yard line to the upper deck, Vivid Seats has great tickets for all the 2023 games that matter to you. Just visit vividseats.com or download the app today. All right, Lions, Seahawks. We got the Lions checking in as five and a half point favorites. It's four and a half only at, at BetMGM, actually, interestingly enough. Seahawks obviously laid the big egg last week. I mean, it, you you lose to the Rams. You've got some hope. I, I guess the Seahawks, I I pull for them. I'm, I'm a Seattle well-wisher just generally. And I, I, I thought that they were such a fun story last year. But is this a bit of a plexiglass effect with potentially where the Seahawks were so far above expectation last year that it kind of comes crashing down a little bit this year? Well, uh, I, I guess it's possible. I think the issue from week one was mostly that McVay totally got the better of Carroll. I mean, the, the Seahawks couldn't do anything. Their defense was a total mess. Their offense, of course, was a mess. Nothing went right for them in that game to the point that uh, it almost reminded me of that 49ers game in the playoffs where it's just like, why did you even show up today? Like, yeah. How did you, how did you, what were you doing all week? I don't get, I love Pete, but. Man, that's that's one of those games where it's like, and he's had too many of them lately, despite probably still being no worse than an average coach overall. He's had too many of these games where it's like, are you sure you haven't just lost it at this point? Because old Pete Carroll does not let games like this happen. And even if you even if you got some punches left, you don't have enough. It seems like not often enough anyway. Uh, games like that can't can't happen. Even though McVeigh is a great schemer, you can't can't get pants like that uh, by a divisional opponent. And I don't care who was hurt. Like Devin Witherspoon was a bad pick. That's not a good excuse. So what of that said, I, I guess if Witherspoon and whatever the other uh, Jamal Adams, if any of them get back, I don't know what the status is with either of them. The Seahawks would have fewer excuses by their own reasoning. It's just I wouldn't really raise expectations over it. So uh, with that said, I do think the offense will bounce back at some point. It's just harder to believe it will be this week which i previously was you know kind of expecting uh it's harder to keep that expectation with both of the starting tackles out and particularly cross i don't know what they're going to do about that exactly but uh even though i think the lions defense is not particularly good they of course have a couple guys who can rush the passer and aiden hutchinson versus backup tackles whoever they are that's stone forsyth Ugh, not good hmm. so uh, that is the most Georgia name you could have. I, I, I think Stone Mountain might even be in Forsyth County. Like, <laughs> I think that might be like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it's a, c- a cool name, I guess, but uh, not good for the projection of the Seahawks offense. And it's it's still one of those things, though. I'm like, man, those receivers, 
you know those receivers are going to get a certain level of per snap production over a bigger sample and it should be against corners like these that a correction occurs like these numbers from the receivers in week one they won't hold so are they going to hold for two weeks against a defense like the lions of all teams it seems a little seems a little sketchy to me but what could happen is those receivers have good games geno smith gets over 300 yards and still the lions beat them because geno whatever has like three turnovers or something like that while the lions offense just runs all over the seahawks because they can't do anything on defense and, and the run is one other kyron williams is not a good running back i'm sorry not a good nfl running back not a good starting running back and if you can't stop kyron williams uh yeah montgomery and if, if the lions have any curiosity about using their 11th overall pick gibbs those should be problems for the seahawks defense assuming they don't completely reverse type from week one so this feels like a game where should have some DFS interest. Um, you know, I, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is, is a lock in, in this spot. I'm super impressed by, by him last Thursday night. Um, do you, would you maybe even throw a little Josh Reynolds in there? I thought he looked good last week, personally. Well, I think Reynolds is just kind of – he's like one of those 45-grade players who, you know, he'll have good games – uh, over any given year, he'll have a handful of good games. But the problem is, I think when you start depending on a player like that for production, it tends to go badly pretty quickly. Like, a, not that he only makes plays when the defense fails to cover him or something like that. Like Reynolds can play receiver pretty well. It's just I, I think if he's the kind of guy who will be good for you when you you allow him to kind of show up uh, whenever he does, versus if you try to get him part of your central game plan. I don't know if it works out that way. I think Reynolds is clearly better than a number of receivers who play three snap roles around the league. Like KJ Osborne is clearly a much worse player than Josh Reynolds. So if it's between those two, I don't know how you stick with Osborne at this point. And uh, I know it's a, it's a less enviable position that Reynolds plays with the lions, but he's a better player and he's playing just as many snaps. So I, I think there's something there with Reynolds. I just, um, Honestly, I guess the Seahawks defense might be so busted. It just doesn't even matter what goes on. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I I do like Seattle to cover this one, but I I think that it's going to be – I'm hoping this too. I hope this game is as fun as last year's game because that was like one of the best games of the regular season. Yeah, and these Lions corners still aren't very good. And to be fair to them, Mosley is not healthy yet. He's he's a good outside corner when he's healthy, so – I don't know. I think the Seahawks receivers kind of flex a little here and maybe the Seahawks still lose and the Lions still cover, but I I don't really, I'm not quite with this downward action on the over under, at least now down to 47 and a half down three and a half points. Uh, I, I think I'd be interested in the 48 and above. Yeah, I, I think I would as well. I think both these defenses might, might be in a bit of trouble in the dome. Um, last item here, uh, for, for my own personal edification, how, how worried should I be about Zach Charbonnet? I'm very leveraged. Um, I, I think, uh, the issue last week was more just that the Seahawks got completely destroyed. And <laughs> yeah. I think, um, you know, it's, it's one thing to have a game plan of some sort for some reason. And it's another to still believe it after you get your face ripped off like they did. So I don't know. I, it, Granted, it was stupid to pick him in the second round if they're going to do what they did last week. Like that's just 
whatever Carol or anybody else wants to say, like, it's just, it's not justifiable. And if he's not ready to play in that game, that's just another failure on the coach's part. If you're going to spend a second round pick on Charbonnet, get him on the field. Simple as that. And if you can't get him on the field, just walk away from the job. I don't know what else to say about it, but uh, the Seahawks were not validated for their game plan approach last week. And uh, maybe they will find some reason to change their priorities after getting completely embarrassed like that. And, you know, maybe with, with the tackle injury issues, I mean, they, they signed Jason Peters. Um, maybe they, maybe they just have to run the ball a little bit more and then, then Charbonnet, but that, that would also hurt our 48 and over expectations, but uh, not if Zach Charbonnet just runs for three long touchdowns. So yeah, the lions don't have much of a run defense. They they don't have one, I would say. So, yeah, the Lions defense still sucks. I, I think that the over, especially at its new point, is much more likely than the under. All right, let's ride with that. Let's get on over briefly. AFC South clash in Houston. Got Indianapolis traveling down to face the Texans. Indianapolis, one point. Favorites on the road. Uh... <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that on the road. Uh, oh, no, I, I don't think they did anything last week to make me say, like, oh, yeah, they, they need to be favored uh, in this spot. Um, they have a I, bad I like the Texans to cover. They do. Yeah. Uh, they, these teams are both very bad. I think Richardson, you know, I, I was a little bit surprised by how ready he looked, um, especially with the kind of, you know, shorthanded conditions. Like, we, we kind of figured that, A, it might take some time, and then, B, um, with Jonathan Taylor's absence, like, it's going to be tougher um, on Richardson, but I thought he he you know purported himself very well last week against the Jaguars. Um, he but started I think- fast. He started mm-hmm. like red hot, and what happened was the defense adjusted. And guess what? Colts didn't have enough good players to counter adjust. You got you got a threat that's working for you. The defense responds to it. You're gonna have to move something else to the weak spot the defense just showed. And when you only have you know the, the th- about uh, you know top five thinnest receiver depth chart in the league in a bad running game that's not enough Richardson did his part and then they had nothing left yeah exactly so I mean they they, uh they got what they deserved and they suck but it sucks for Richardson and even Steichen I mean Steichen I think had a really good game plan he he had nowhere near the amount of ammo that the Jags did so it shouldn't have even been as close of a game as it was in my opinion but uh going to against this Texans team going on the road there D'Amico Ryan is, is no chump, and he will not have a team play like weaklings no matter what happens. He, he showed that against the Ravens. Uh, they don't play scared. They don't play weak. And the Colts, I think, will eventually learn to do just that as they as it kind of uh, – not, not that Steichen isn't doing his part, but it's just how many times do you think a team can watch itself lose because their best player on offense has been banned from the team because of their idiot – uh, inheritance case uh, owner, degenerate owner. Like that's, that's going to distract from your focus a little bit. It's going to make you feel less invested from a pride angle a little bit. Whereas the Texans are all blood and vinegar. Like they're just, they're, they're out to kill you. And if you're not thinking the same way, you're just not going to have as much juice as them. Yeah. I mean, the, like the Texans, they were in a tough spot last week and the, the offensive line issues that I thought, you know, showed up a, a little bit. Um, but I think generally, like you said, uh, that on a we're talking about two bad teams. I, th- I think that there's a little bit more edge to to Houston, most likely. Um, probably a little bit less talent o- overall, but 
I got to side with the Texans here. And as far as like the, the fantasy angles from this game, I, I, you know, if you, I wasn't a big Pittman guy in draft season, but you got to be encouraged by how he played. Um, and on, on the Texans side, um, I, I mean, he, he's injured right now. I've, I've just, um, huge buyer's remorse on John Mechie, but, um, I think Nico Collins should be able to get going a little bit here, um, in his own part. Who, who in your mind, is there anyone, as far as that wide receiver two role on on Houston, that that might be you know worth a look. Well, Woods was used quite a bit in Week One. I think him and Collins are going to remain your two wide receivers, and I don't know what anyone ever thought Noah Brown was supposed to do. So, as far as why they would use him or when, I just simply have nothing. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So, even as someone who thought that Nathaniel Dell was kind of overrated as a prospect and is still overrated. Clearly, they should put Dell on the field and never put Brown on the field over him. And again, I'm not high on Dell. It's just Brown. There's no reason for a guy like him to be on the field. It doesn't make any sense. He's like a a tight end receiver tweener who is neither as good of a blocker as a tight end and is not as good of a route runner as a receiver. I hate that kind of logic and a personnel wrinkle. Like it it uh, actually makes sense. The uh, the Holy Roman Empire, neither Holy Roman nor an empire. Discuss. Yeah, so that's uh, that's what we're looking at. And uh, again, they got to go with Dell the more the season goes along, I think, because they're not going to get anything from Schultz. They, what they should do is bench Schultz for Quentin Tarantino and put Dell at slot receiver if Mechie's unavailable. And that's clearly their best loadout. So uh, Collins, Woods, I, I would, I mean, he's going to be underneath. He, him and Dell get the easy ones. But yeah, if they can't get Collins here going, that, that'd be a little discouraging, especially because the Colts corners are just weak as hell. Yes. Yes, they are. Um, before we get on over to our next game, our, our guy, Tyler Sperry, um, has, has patiently been waiting, asking some questions in the chat. Um, so your thoughts uh, for Thursday night, uh, Justin Jefferson versus Darius Slay? Uh, no concern for Jefferson in any, you know, starting, uh, starting format. If you're talking about showdown slate, the only real reason to be away from Jefferson is the price. There's not reason to worry about him having a bad game any given week. Uh, if he must go one-on-one with Slay, I think Jefferson wins that. But uh, the Eagles do a surprisingly little amount of shadow matching up. And they oftentimes, even when they do, they do more like man-match zone things than they do straight up press man coverage. So Slay might be kind of on Jefferson, but not the way that, you know, Jalen Ramsey or Darrell Revis were on a receiver. You know, it's not quite that deal. So I would not have any anxiety about Jefferson relative to Slay. I, I wouldn't either. So, yeah, obviously you're firing him up. But I think you you rightly alluded to, you know, the DFS action for, for the showdown slate um, being, you know. I try to get him in. The Vikings suck and they can't do anything else. You know, Osborne's not getting the ball. Hawkinson unless the Eagles stop tackling is not getting 20 yards downfield. Nope. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, let's keep rocking here. We, we've got a bunch of games still to go. Uh, so we'll Rapids. pick it up here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're, we're good. We're good. Um, Chiefs Jaguars, probably game of the weekend in my opinion. So we, we don't need to speed through this one. Easy chalk. <laughs> uh Yeah. Oh, I mean, you want, you'll want this, I think for DFS purposes, because mm-hmm. the Chiefs are going to, you know, it's almost like a half up a bye week that they had and Andy Reid on bye weeks. Uh, you know, he'll he'll he's taken apart better defenses than this one. So Mahomes is going to come roaring back. 
the question is like, how much do the Jaguars punch back? And I think they'll punch back quite a bit. I'd, I'd still take the Chiefs to win this, but this should be chalky for DFS purposes, I would imagine. And it's to me looking like good chalk, kind of like the way the Chargers, at least the Chargers run game and the uh, Dolphins was mostly good chalk last week. Yes. So th- this is definitely the game to, to load up on. And I, I don't think that it that it falls apart. Um, you know, we, we've got two big additions likely coming back on, on the Kansas City side with Chris Jones and, and uh, Travis Kelsey. I mean, how discouraged were you by what we saw with the receiver personnel in Kansas City? Like, is that almost hubris to be running those guys out there? I think it's hubris to have Justin Watson on the field. I think uh, he, but he played Smith- the best. <laughs> He's, I I get it, but uh, that's more because the defense doesn't cover a guy like him. And I think, uh, you know, the sky more drop, it was like, you know, such a weird circumstance and he normally doesn't drop passes is the thing. So I don't really share this, the sky more panic. I don't think he sucks. I think it was one game where the, uh, the chiefs were clearly out of their element and had no rhythm of any sort. It's like they went into the game practicing with Kelsey being the game plan all week and then got to Sunday and we're like, well, what else can we do? Or sorry, Thursday. And uh, it's, it's like, I don't know. I think, I think that more comes back. Tony won't drop that many passes. Usually it's, it's not, you know, his, he might not get the opportunity to, I don't know. No, they got to polish that turd. Brett Mm Veach needs them to keep polishing and they got to keep like, that's why I get so pissed off when teams do this thing where they're yanking young players playing time around and like, Oh, he's not ready. But when a GM puts their thumb on the scale, it's like, you got to put this guy on the field, no matter what teams do it. And it's like, you want to tell me Kadarius Tony is, is like practicing well, is he, is he practicing at all? We don't really, he doesn't know how to run a slant. What has he been doing all this time? And you're saying well, he doesn't have the ready? Right shoes on. Yeah. So they lost because they had to polish that turd in addition to uh, saving money on Chris Jones. And, you know, he didn't save money and you lost against a weak team at home. So it's, it's, you know, Brett Veach needs them to, to make him look good. And Tony will not get cast out for this. He'll need to, you know, he'll need to like send a threat in someone's DMs uh, for for saying that he sucks on Twitter or whatever. Did, did he delete his account after? Like, oh after yeah, I guess he season? did. Normally he <laughs> stays up all night just telling people to kill themselves or whatever, and it's uh, yeah. So now he's he's uh he's getting serious. Yeah, he's he's locking in um, zero dark thirty like LeBron James does uh, dur- during the playoffs, and then. On the other side, um, I think there's, there seemed to be some consternation from people about uh, Christian Kirk's role. And uh, I, I would like you, your um, steadying thoughts on that because that, that was interesting. I, I thought that the market basically had the Jaguars pecking order correct. We're, we're Ridley clear and above, best option, and that's looking good so far, knock on wood. Um, but Kirk, I, I thought, was a f- I didn't get a ton of him. But I thought he was a fine, like, fifth-round pick, and I thought Zay Jones was a fine, you know, like, once you get to that part of the draft and the receiver pool really dries up, I I always did like getting a Zay Jones type. But I was surprised to see him, you know, be as much more involved uh, than Kirk as he was. So do you think that that changes it all, or do you think that the Jaguars, by virtue of how last week went, it's like, let's go back to it? I think some of Zay Jones being out there was for snaps where nothing was up for grabs at the receiver position. Like if they're running 
and not that I'm saying this play happened, but if they're running a one wide look where they're for sure running the ball and they have three tight ends on the field, that might be Zay Jones that's out there. Like Zay Jones played more snaps than Calvin Ridley in this game. So I think it's uh, it's a few things. Like they didn't run that many plays in general and they kind of, especially in the second half, took their foot off the gas. So normally the more three wide they run, the more for sure Kirk is getting on the field. And I think even if they had been throwing more than they were, you would have seen Kirk on the field more. Like if, if Lawrence in this game gets to 35 pass attempts, I'll be pretty surprised if Kirk doesn't have seven targets. Uh, the other thing is this, this might've been like a press Taylor idea. And I'm sorry, this is, this is actually one time where a, a GM should lean in and tell the coach how to do their job. Balky is not going to really be cool with them putting Zay Jones on the field and Kirk on the bench, even though he signed Zay Jones too. like Christian Kirk is, is what he spent a lot more money on. And he doesn't want to look foolish by having his, his expensive player basically benched for one who is cheaper and is clearly not as good. I mean, that's the other thing with Zay Jones. Like he's not as good as Kirk. So if they want to keep doing that, if, the, if they want to do it in a situation where there's actual stakes, they will pay for it and I doubt do it again. So uh, with that said, I, I, yeah, I'm uh, not that heavy on Kirk this year. It's not because I expected last week to look like that. It's just that I, I don't know. I was taking somebody else in that range and uh, obviously I'm pretty overweight on Ridley. Yeah. So yeah, this is the Ridley cast. Um, quick uh, question here. Uh, this is an interesting one. Um, so th- this person could basically trade, the two hot waiver wire pickups in Puka Nakua and, and Josh Kelly and get Chris Godwin and, and Jared Mc, Jarek McKinnon in return in, in half point PPR. I think you got to think of this as Puka and Kelly for Godwin. I'm, I guess right. I just remember theirs. I'm such a McKinnon hater, but True. I really think McKinnon is not very good. So, uh, but if you do think McKinnon's good, then that actually makes it pretty easy for me. I would prefer the Godwin side. And I think I prefer the Godwin side anyway. The, the the other disclaimer being that I think Josh Kelly clearly cannot play. And I think that it was just the Dolphins cut him loose last week. Yeah, the, the, I think um, that's going to be one that we, we look back on uh, as week one waiver wire picks you know, ne- next year, looking back on this year and be like, remember when I spent like a quarter of my fab on Josh Kelly for some reason? Remember when That's I thought I that guy who averaged like 3.38 yards per carry over 250 carries was good because he had 10 good carries against on like draw plays against the Dolphins? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to remember the sample size. And uh, this person, for the record, uh, that uh, that has Puka Nakua also has Cup. I, I almost feel like you should hang on to – or I don't know. Is it a better – I, I prefer Godwin over – I prefer Godwin over Nakua pretty easily, but uh, I don't know. I, I I guess if the if there's something to consider here, I I would say uh, no. I, I would normally say like maybe get greedy and keep the guy for another week, but I, I just I'm not convinced Nakua is going to be better than Godwin for that week. So he won't be. It's tough. Time. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's I got to recuse myself. I guess I'm just too biased on two of the players that I, I can't be impartial or whatever. I think generally um, you want to be getting the best player in the trade and that's, that's the side that would be getting Godwin. So that that's where I lean with it. And I, I think that there, there is a very um, small likelihood that, that both Nakua and Kelly end up be like being worth it to the point where um, 
you know, the person that gave up Godwin is happy. Godwin should catch a hundred passes pretty easily if he plays 14 games. Well, speaking of Chris Godwin, we got the Bears and the Bucks down in Tampa. Bucks, two and a half point favorites. Bucks, you know, I, I think a surprise last week on, on the positive ledger. Maybe they aren't quite as uh, in tank mode as people such as myself expected. Although I did like them to cover for the record last week. Oh, yeah. Um, but that was more about the Vikings. But still, we have a Bears team that fell totally flat on his face. You bring in DJ Moore, you do nothing with him. There seems to be um, a, a point that uh, their their front office has made where they're out of polish for the for the turd as far as uh, uh, Chase Claypool goes. Um, with, with him rumored to be an active, a healthy scratch for for this coming game. I mean, I have a hard only time traded Joey Porter Jr. One. for him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Should, should be fine. Yeah, I think uh, as much as I. I'm kind of glad to see polls look silly. And I think the bears are, uh, I, I am not an Aberflus believer before I was agnostic. I thought he did a good job calling the Colts defense, but I didn't know how to make an opinion on Aberflus the last two years. This one game settled it for me. And his comments after the game about like, I don't know. I, I, I don't, everything about the offense, it would be like implied. It's the offense's fault. And then they'd be like, well, coach, why'd that happen? And he'd be like, you know, you're going to have to talk to someone else. Okay, yeah. So whatever. <laughs> you're done uh with that said the buccaneers are probably or at risk of being without three of their better defenders and i didn't john how did we miss this christian Izian guy from rutgers like he was a four-year starter who put up numbers and he had totally good testing i had no idea who he was he didn't seem to be at the combine or at least uh didn't work out there and then went undrafted i learned i heard his name for the first time in that broadcast and yep. uh, I, th- I thought i knew about all these guys um, anyway, he's got a concussion. Carlton Davis has some toe thing that kept him out of practice Wednesday. Kalajic Kansi left the game uh, with a calf thing. He didn't practice Wednesday. So if those three guys are out, those are starter reps. Uh, their top corner, their third corner, and uh, you know whatever you're thinking of their DL. It's like Kansi was way up there. So the Bears offense has no good reason to not bounce back here, uh, especially if those guys are out. But you know, like even if they're not, they're not going to be a hundred percent. So you got to do better. And it would be difficult for the Bears to call a game plan as incredibly stupid as they did last week. Plus, the I think it's in the nature of Todd Bowles to kind of go aggressive on defense. And certainly guys like Carlton Davis, even if he's out there, he always wants to play press man coverage. And you don't want to do that against Fields, in my opinion. You want to sit back. Uh, the Fields problem, the problem that he has, which I don't consider like a fatal flaw. I think it's it's more of a, a problem when you have an incompetent team managing him he's got a like hitch in his processing where he either doesn't see things or chooses to wait longer than he should to see something as like clearer than it can actually get and in the time in between he he misses things but when you run man coverage against him you got uh, you let him see where everybody is a little more easily and especially you turn his back to him when you run for downfield coverage and then he goes he runs for 150 yards on you so if they run that man coverage, they're begging for fields to run wild on them, even if the Bears passing game continues to struggle. Yeah, so uh, it will be interesting to see, you know, that that Bulls angle that that you brought up, um, whether he can go kind of against his nature and, and make fields sit back and, and make the reads. Because like you said, and, and, you know, this dates back to 2021 in the in the pre-draft process, um, you know, that the... the 
there's something about Fields' game where, where he's he's not like getting to his progressions quite fast enough, like you outlined there. And it, it's you know still here in 2023, so we'll, we'll see if uh, the Buccaneers take advantage of that or not. I, I personally think uh, that I will just in the off chance probably enter a, a DFS lineup that that has Fields, but I'm not touching anything else for, from this offense until. Um, I, I see otherwise, although maybe DJ Moore will be cheap enough to wear. I think Moore Moore is a candidate to do a little something here. I think so too. Um, and someone in the chat actually brought up earlier, that, that, you know, citing that the Carolina days that DJ Moore owns Tampa Bay, at least according uh, to this commenter. Could be right. I didn't know Probably that off right. the top of my head, but historically, I guess given where he played, that would be, you know, a chance. There's something there. <laughs> Makes sense. And he's quite good. Um, all right. Uh, finishing out the one o'clock window, um, we've got Chargers, Titans, Titans, three point dogs at home. Chargers, still the Chargers. Yeah, uh, nice work, Staley. Got that <laughs> calculator. It's uh, it's going to pay off one of these times, but uh, not yet. And I don't know, man. It's it, like the Chargers have so much advantage in this game, matchup wise. But do you really want to pick Soy Boy over the? you know, bloody caveman, Mike Vrabel. Like, yeah, Vrabel could, like, if he was clean shaven when he woke up this morning, he would have this mustache by, by lunch. Yeah, he's, he's just got, he wakes up with, like, animal fur scattered around his face, you know, and, and blood all over it. And he goes to work. He washes it off and goes to work and, you know, uh, runs it 45 times against coaches like Staley. And that's just his life. So Staley again kind of was he didn't get anything to show for it but he's he's still not prioritizing the run defense you know that i guess he can't i guess he'd be admitting like he was always a fraud if he ever tries to defend the run and yet he doesn't have a pass defense to show for it it's it's great even even with khalil Mack and joey bosa going against some left tackle i've never heard of they didn't touch to a tug of Iloa in the first half and he threw like 23 passes or something that's um what what exactly do you do around here, Staley? Like, I I don't know. So I'm, I'm so far out on him. Yeah, we need to call in the bobs. We need to have a discussion. Um, we need to send Staley to the basement um, and not let him bring his stapler <laughs> with him. Um, I guess I got to take Chargers though, because Herbert is you know he's going to bounce back, and uh, the Tennessee defense kind of forces you to throw the ball. So that's another reason why Kelly's not going to do anything this week, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm I'm out on Kelly this week. Uh, even if like I, I guess I don't have him, so I don't really have to make this call. But I, yeah. I would use him in the flex if Eckler's out. But I would have to have some pretty kind of dire flex options, I, I guess, for for that to uh, really cross my mind. I'm gonna stick with the Titans here. I wish I could I could get this at three and a half just to you know insulate that field goal uh, type of loss, but. I, I feel like the Titans, uh, you know, drag this one into the mud as as they are wont to do, and I think the Chargers um, have a hard time getting around it. So I think it's going to be a. I'd love to see it. The Chargers, regardless, yeah. I'm picking the Chargers, but I hope I'm wrong. Okay, I hope you're wrong too, but uh, that's because I have the Titans. Um, let's go, Giants cards. Giants five and a half point favorites on the road after getting beaten forty to zero. By the Dallas Cowboys on on Sunday night, and the the Cardinals, uh, you know, they, they made the the Washington Survivor folks uh, sweat for a little bit, yes. but <laughs> that's about all I can say about that. 
guess their defense must have done okay, but man, that offense uh, is even worse and dumber than I expected. The Cardinals, I mean, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they uh, gave Zach Ertz 10 targets that he turned into six catches for 21 yards. That's actually why they lost. If they had put Trey McBride on the field for those targets, they would have won. And so uh, Washington's pretty lucky that John Gannon's a really dumb guy who can't tell that his tight end is running a 5-5-40 and uh, prefers him to the guy who runs a 4-5-40. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how quick, how good Gannon is at missing the point. I bet he could be pretty good at it. But, uh, yeah, as long as they keep putting Ertz out there, I mean, and Dobbs, my God, that's that's the first like nine versus 11 offense I've ever seen where, you know, it's a zero at quarterback too. So it's a, it's a stupid, stupid team. They suck. And uh, the giants are going to clobber them. I think the giants are going to crush them too. Um, I don't, they, they have like a, a couple injuries of note, you know, Andrew Thomas is banged up. Oh, that is, that's bad. Yeah. Huh. The, well, so I still the, think the giants kill them. Yeah. Yeah. The Cardinals are just, they're awful. They're, they, they, you know, rightfully so. Like, even if they if they showed some pluckiness in week one, it's like, well, you kind of expect them to. They've had all off season to to get ready for that game. But now now we're off the, you know, that we're going down the river here. And I think that the Cardinals, are, their canoe, like, doesn't really have a bottom. And, you know, they'll be at the, uh, you know, among the silt uh, here soon enough. Um, so, I don't know, I had to, had to pull that metaphor uh, out of the fire. Um, so, <laughs> just using the word silt um let's uh let's continue on um well I, I guess would you start daniel jones in this spot well then i'd have to have drafted daniel jones wouldn't i have um but if i do have if i do for some reason have him and i don't have a better quarterback i this should be a fine Daniel Jones game. And, you know, as much as he is terrible and as much as the Giants deserve to go 0-17 for the contract they gave him, they won't. And he's not as bad as he was in that game. I mean, you know, Dable will never get worked quite that badly ever again. And uh, Jones won't either. No, I don't think so. There, there was something like cosmically off at, at MetLife Stadium. Dan like Quinn... Week. Dan Quinn had uh he he had Brian Dable in the the sharpshooter. It was it was bad. Just absolutely punishing old old school bully tactics. The the noogies, the wet willies, the shoving him into a locker, all the above applied uh last Sunday night from from Dan Quinn wearing his cool backwards hat. Um let's go. Niners, Rams, Niners, seven and a half point favorites at, at points bet, eight and a half. At Bet MGM, so some split action there. Um, I felt so stupid during that Niners game last week. I was like, oh, Tomlin, home dog. It's like, I, the well, Niners are a wagon. They are we did not, uh, we did not anticipate the Steelers having like the worst defense. Uh, they from the first snap, they had no anything really and uh, the corners in particular were completely worked uh the shanahan had it completely won by the first drive and uh yeah brock purdy continues to get to play on rookie mode uh he as always i mean he had uh, he had like three good plays i would say the one getting out of the pocket and going to the left to get debo samuel that to me was a better play than the touchdown pass the second touchdown pass to Ayuk. the first touchdown pass to Ayuk was he was just wide open it was like playing you know it was like they were doing a walkthrough 
rather than playing real defense in an NFL game. And then the second one he threw to Ayuk, that's an interception if Patrick Peterson isn't awful. That's not actually a good throw to throw most of the time. So he wants to keep making that throw. The results won't be the same. And then what do you know? Like any other time he gets a little bit of heat, he just sucks again. And the, the, the key is he doesn't get any heat for 80% of his snaps. And so he looks really I mean, I don't think he looks good, but he's playing on rookie mode, so everything's easy. And if it just stays that way, they never pay for the fact that he can't play in conditions that every other quarterback has to play in. So uh, the Steelers being the worst defense ever, uh, especially in that first half, certainly helped with that. I don't know what to make of the Rams defense. I mean, I know they got the better of the Seahawks, but uh, when the Seahawks were as bad as they were in that game, it's kind of hard to give the... I should give the defense some credit, but it's like they they just saw one of the worst offenses ever is another possibility. So yeah, the, maybe the, the NFC West is just this weird. And, you know, I'm basically excluding the Cardinals from this discussion. They're, they're not a real team, team. but yeah. um, it, there's like this weird flow chart that, that I, I think we need to, to draw up where it's like McVay owns Pete Carroll, <laughs> but Shanahan, but Shanahan owns McVay. So, uh, and I don't, I don't know who Pete Carroll has a particularly like strong record against, um, but regardless, uh, I don't know. It, yeah, it'd probably have to be, but um, point, point being the, the Niners historically have just kind of crushed the Rams on, under Shanahan and I'm expecting more of the same uh, this, this week. Yeah, I, I will say they got to keep purdy on easy mode again uh they they should kind of be able to do that but if they can't then most bets are off but uh one thing i feel comfortable saying is uh, the rams offense is going to fall back down to earth in this one stafford was on fire against the seahawks and he was just chopping them up but uh instead of ineffective zones uh, the 49ers are going to be you know a very aggressive in your face kind of defense and uh uh, Stafford's still the real deal, but I don't think him and his ragtag receiver crew are going to do so well here. Well, that, I mean, that's a that's a relief uh, that, that Stafford still has it at least a little bit, yeah. um, as long as he stays upright, which could be a challenge in this game, of course. But, um, you know, two important fantasy angles that, that we would be remiss if we didn't touch on. Um, like what you you spend 30 percent of your fab on, on Nakua. You start him this week. If you did, I don't know how you, you know, don't follow through. You got to polish the turn. Be the tea. <laughs> well, <laughs> be the tea. Uh, you were watching The Last Man on Earth recently or something? I, I, oh, sorry. That's what Will Forte does. That. He's like, you do the do the crime, you do the time, do the tea, the do, do the tea. Uh, oh, that's but, <laughs> Yeah, so it, it was a similar syntax is why I was wondering. But, uh, yeah, so Nakua, not a turd, doesn't need turd polishing everyone could use a little polish john but there's a difference between you know standard polish and a a turd uh Mm. specific one and uh he doesn't need that but man yeah you got to start him because you paid that much and uh you know if he he can regress quite a bit from week one's numbers you know 15 targets and 60 snaps if if he gets eight targets in the next 60 that's still you know a pretty good rate and even if he's averaging five yards a target, that's still 40 yards or something and probably on four or five catches. So in PPR, even in this matchup, I think Nakua is getting you at least like eight points or something. I think everyone agrees that like the, these Rams receivers will regress. That last week will likely be an outlier, but I, I'm more worried, I would say, about Tutu Atwell sustaining than I am about Nakua. So 
Um, at least I, I he's got a Atwell. At least can do the thing where he, the the de- the defense like loses him in a zone down the seam kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas a uh, Nakua is going to find the te- uh, sledding tough against the 49ers because they're going to crash down and you know tackle after the catch. But you're right as far as base functions, it's it's harder to see how Atwell is there for you know the the average play that they are likely to run. Right. So so Nakua t- top of that particular power rankings for now until cup gets back. And then uh, what do we do with that backfield? Um, man, uh, how about this for a long shot prediction, John? I'll say the Ravens trade a uh, conditional seventh or sixth for cam Akers in the next week. Please, please God. Uh, so in that case, yeah. definitely hang on to cam. Definitely hang yeah. on to cam. And I cam guess Akers. hold on to Kyron Williams, but don't expect more numbers. Just kind of, be sad about the the world i guess yeah i think that that's when it when it comes to the rams that that you know fits the the mood nicely speaking of sad moods got the jets <laughs> going going down to dallas to face the cowboys the, the cowboys of course again coming off that 40 point shutout victory over the giants and the jets well their dreams were dashed on national television not even a full drive into aaron Rodgers you know, uh, debuts, which I, I mean, I'm, dude, I, I go downstairs. I went downstairs. So I was watching it upstairs. I went downstairs to get like a sparkling water, I assume. And, uh, came back up and it's just like, he's, he's dead. What the hell happened? <laughs> what the hell happened? Yes. He kind of slipped a little. I, I was Take on the up. radio with, with, uh, with Waylon and Jeff, uh, on XM on Monday night. And you know, they, they're, they have the, tough task of hosting an entire radio show during a, a live NFL game. And I'm, I'm sort of like trailing off in my analysis about whatever they were asking me about, because I, I just see Rogers <laughs> like just writhing around on the ground and, and then like, you know, getting hauled out of the medical tent. And I'm like, guys, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is, this might be it for him. Dude, don't look, if you haven't seen it, don't look up the replay of it. It's disgusting. Um, yeah. Not, not a fan of watching Achilles tears. Yeah, I had never seen seen one before that. Before like these doctors were like, you can tell it's reverberating, and I'm like, what does that mean? I'm like, Ugh! You know, yeah, the the tendon is just shooting up. Um, really anyway, uh, that all sucks, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a bummer. I don't like Rogers, but it's a it's a bummer if you know if only for the guy like Garrett Wilson. You know, he was he was understandably very upset about it. Uh, so it's it's frustrating, and now the Jets have they. The Jets have a turd to polish, John. Uh, Puka Nakua, he's no such thing. But uh, Zach Wilson, we're, we got that polish back out. We're going, we're going crazy on it, and uh, we're hoping that something cool is the, is the end product. And I really doubt it is. He looked so bad in that game. He can't do anything, man. He can't, he can't drop back. Can't do anything. So, uh, Dan Quinn versus Zach Wilson. I don't know. What do you think? I, I, I see pain coming Zach Wilson's way. Um, it, it's funny. Uh, you know, you mentioned Wilson's play um, last week and going back to earlier in the, in the pod, like he, he has the same mentality as Josh Allen with, with, you know, only like 70% of the tools. So like, whereas Allen can get away with some of those, you know, crazy throws over the middle, like Wil- Wilson, that one pick over the middle, you're just like, what did you well, think also, was going to happen? Wilson is not thinking. He is terrified. He doesn't want to play. You could see it on his face. He was miserable, and not because it was like it had gone badly, and he was miserable as a result. He was like, 
I can't play. I can't do this. I don't want to be here right now. And it's just not going to get better for him. I don't know what to say. Like it's he, he's got the yips in addition to being a subpar talent. It's you don't get back from that in my opinion. Nope, that's going to be a, a tricky one to navigate, especially with Micah Parsons. Uh, At least Brees Hall place. looked awesome. I mean, uh, he he looked, you know, knock on wood, he looked like himself. So hopefully that remains the case. And uh, certainly he's the only way, you know, outside of Garrett Wilson heroics, it's the only way that they're going to put up any points on this one. And uh, Actually, uh, speaking of that Jets backfield, we had a question earlier in the, in the pod where a person got offered Alvin Kamara for Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. I would take Do that. It. Do it. Yeah. Do I, it. Just get, I think that there's probably like a, an increased um, expectation that the Jets are going to be a lot more run heavy. And I think that's probably well founded, but I think defenses know that too. So it's going to be a lot more clogged boxes and, and things like that. And Dalvin Cook, um, you know, the, the longer that, that Brees Hall continues to ramp up, the more this is going to be. Dalvin Cook is just spelling him. Um, and Alvin Kamara is going to kind of go nuts, in my opinion. Yes. With those receivers, you can't you can't crash down on Kamara. You can't do it. No, you, you can't. So, and he's going to be coming in fresh. Yeah, I, I, I take the Kamara side with that and just stomach the, the two empty weeks upcoming. Um, let's go Commanders. Broncos. Then we got a couple primetime games to close it out. We've got the Broncos, three and a half point favorites against the Commanders. Um, what are you looking for here? Well, uh, early season mile high did not help the Broncos against the stupid Raiders, but uh, maybe the maybe Washington's even dumber, even worse than the Raiders, and you know maybe they, maybe the spread ends up being right for that reason. But the Broncos are the same, except worse. Their defense is worse now, so. What do we think then exactly? You know, it's like we got that we got the Hackett offense more or less because it's it's the Russell Wilson offense. Russell Wilson is an awful quarterback at this point. I don't know what happened. Uh, maybe there's some kind of accommodation to be done. Sean Payton does not appear to be any closer to it. It was the exact same way they started last year, just checking down to the tight ends over and over, spamming the tight ends, checking down, and occasionally throwing like a desperation deep ball. But Russell Wilson, as far as how he ever played in Seattle, like that's not happening again. And what you're left with is bleak. Uh, it's I th- it's like difficult to have it to have the perspective of how bad Russell Wilson is now because we're still being biased by his past. But there's no correction to occur here in a positive sense. So if Washington does blow it, I think it's because uh, Sam Howell gave up you know six sacks and gave them a couple turnovers for short fields and they win like sorry the Broncos win like. 17 to 10 or something you know like it'd be it has to be some kind of ugly ugly way that they win and uh i don't know what to make of the washington side i mean i thought they were ugly in week one was not encouraged by the amount of hits that howell was taking i didn't get to watch it but uh he kind of invited that problem a lot at north carolina so you know bad offensive line maybe but he seems to be making things worse and i don't know it's it's uh traveling to mile high i worry about washington keeping it together but i still have to pick washington i just can't pick russell wilson right now he's so bad he, he's so bad and then uh my my, my biggest uh, axe to grind maybe from the entirety of last weekend is uh you know it is. uh yeah <laughs> you, yeah I, it's so knoxville stupid. you clown Ugh. it's so dumb 
it's so dumb. But yeah, that's another one too. It's like Peyton being like, oh, well, Mims isn't ready. It's like, well, then your team isn't. Throw in the towel and just let Mims play anyway. If Mims isn't ready, you have no receivers other than Sutton. And uh, if, if, if that's the case, why even bother running a two wide set? Find some fullbacks, anything. This, this putting a player like Johnson on the field is so negligent. And yet it's that kind of thing that we just kind of have to accept from coaches. It's just, Oh, well they know more. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they know less. Like I know we bag on, on like some of the, these recent Tennessee receivers, but like I'm taking Juwan Jennings and, and um, Joshua Palmer, like a million times out of a million over Brandon Johnson. You're, you're kind of stressing me a little on the Josh Palmer one. I, I agree. He's <laughs> probably better. I'm just not quite ready to make the leap. Josh I'm Palmer not going like, to Wide receiver 85. Yeah. Just bleh. Um, and, and for the record, I, I'm on Washington to, to cover this one. I wouldn't be totally shocked if they won. Uh, Patriots, Dolphins. Dolphins, three-point favorites on the road in Foxborough. Dolphins kind of the darlings of the NFL. Like I'd say if the Lions are on the NFC side, I thought the Miami did a lot of, a lot of uh, good PR last weekend with what they did and how exciting that was. I mean, Tua's MVP odds jumped to where he's tied with Mahomes for the fi- to be the favorite. Um, I think his odds for like being the, the passing yardage leader are if there was a crazy change there as well. So that's so weird that that changes that much on one game. Like, don't we expect Tyreek Hill it, to do that stuff? It, I, right. And I, I think Tua also, did great. I didn't mean to take away credit from him. He did great, but it's just like, I thought they would do stuff like that anyway. Yeah. Like as long as Tua was, was upright, you know, that what reason would we have to think that this wouldn't be an insanely explosive offense? I mean, that's why Tyreek Hill was a, a top five fantasy pick. That's why Jalen Waddle was a top 20 fantasy pick. I mean, like, what did, what did you think? But good for them. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, this is what they do. So uh, Mark Daniels of uh, Mass Live was tweeting out that in six games, Tyree Hill, uh, this is going back to the Chiefs too, of course, but in six games against the Patriots, uh, Hill has caught seven of 16 targets for 88 yards when matched up against Jonathan Jones of the Patriots. And so I guess we have to expect Jones to see as close to a shadow assignment here as possible. You certainly don't want Christian Gonzalez good as he is against a receiver like Hill, not just because of how good Hill is, but the type of receiver that Hill is, is the type of corner that Jonathan Jones is. And so Jonathan Jones, bizarrely, you know, he might not even be like a top 10 corner. He might be, he's, he's, he's quite good, but he might not be a top 10 corner. And yet he appears to be the best corner for matching up against Tyree kill. So is it like the Marshawn Lattimore, Mike Evans duels of old? Well, it's just, uh, I think it's just because they're both short and so fast, you know? It's like, if you're trying to cover Tyreek Hill, even if you're fast, you know, if you're Tyreek Woolen, you can't cover Tyreek Hill, even though you're about as fast as him because you're 6'4", and you're stumbling trying to stop start with him. But when you're 5'9", like Jonathan Jones, you can do it a little bit better. So there's reason to think this is a tough matchup for Hill. I happen to think that those numbers, even though, you know, they're a testament to how good Jones is. He is very good. They're also numbers that are clearly begging for correction. You know, you're not going to hold Tyreek Hill to a seven out of 16 catch rate. That's whatever the number goes to it's up after that. You're not keeping it at that rate. So Tyreek Hill should do something a little more modest, but still better than he does against Jonathan Jones. Usually like, I don't know, five, five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown, maybe on like nine or 10 targets. I don't know something, some bad case scenario like that. But if, if that does happen, then it should be a waddle game. And I, I do I hate the idea of having to figure out how to do it, but since it's Mike McDaniel's problem and not mine, I can imagine 
Jalen Waddle getting open a little bit in this one. I, I think so too. So I, I think that, you know, he, he ends up putting up uh, solid production here and, you know, the, the lid will be on this Miami offense a little bit more going, going up against this Patriots defense on, on the road. And of note, two uh, big uniform things to, to remember for, for this weekend. Falcons wearing the red helmets with the old school bird. So bear that in mind. <laughs> Patriots wearing the gorgeous white lids, red jerseys. Rem- remember that 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 Irving Fryer you know, era Pats. Yeah, you re- you know my feelings on the Patriots, but I gotta say that that might be my favorite uniform in football, the old Patriots one. I remember that I would always get kind of like bus sick seeing that uniform. It just it just reminded me of just uh, I don't know what exactly. I get I get like a little like motion sickness out of it. It's just so uh, so gross looking to me. But if you if you like that stuff, that's cool too. Uh, I do think that I do believe in uh, the power of like uh, relics and stuff, though. So they might kind of channel, uh, you know, the the greatness of like Willie McGinnis and Bruce Armstrong and Irving Fryer and all those guys. Uh, and of Ted course, Washington. Scott, oh, yeah. And I was gonna say, of course, Scott Zolak also. Well, duh, duh. Um, let's see what. Anything or and uh, Tony? I'll East. take the Dolphins to win, but I don't really like to pick this one because I, I don't know, Patriots and Foxborough can be a little weird. And uh, Mac Jones did a good job last week. It, it, he was really close to kind of losing his grip forever early in that game. It was such a disaster the way the game started. I've been a Mac critic, but I don't know how you're not impressed. Not you, John. But I don't know how a given person would not be impressed uh, with what Mac Jones did there. I will say uh, my best ball portfolios. Thank you. You you were touting him as, as a good 18th round pick. Correct. Where, At least, that's where we win, John. This yeah. is how I win. Um, <laughs> all right. Monday night doubleheader. And for the record, I like the Patriots to cover here. And I, I guess I like them to win if, if it's just three points. I, I figure that that should work out. Um, but could certainly be wrong. And Tyreek Hill could be just doing this in my face. Um, let's go. Saints Panthers. Uh, Panthers Saints suck. They are very bad. So I'm on the Saints here. Um, loved R- Rashid Shahid's returns last yeah. week. I, I think that he might be legitimately here to stay. He's really cool. Yeah, he's good. Big fan. Olave doing Olave things. We expect that again. And and uh, it seemed like uh, one of the big things that Carolina couldn't afford much on the injury front, but J.C. Horn. Having the freak injury, as, as Frank Reich alluded or described it as. Yeah, that sucks. That's going to – I mean, I think the Saints and, you know, Derek Carr didn't even look great still threw for 300 yards last week. I I think that, you know, we're looking at more of the same. I, I feel like the, the Panthers are a totally rudder, rudderless ship in, in their own right. And, I, you know, I, if we're as big of Bryce Young skeptics as, as we have been, um, week one feels like a – you know, a good starting point to, to that. And I, I don't really see it getting better in this spot, even with it being at home. Yeah, I'm definitely a skeptic of Bryce Young's, but even I didn't really see it going that badly in week one, certainly not against the Falcons of all teams. So it's bad enough. It looked bad enough that I think we have to worry that the Carolina coaches also have no idea what they're doing. And I'm certainly open to that. I think Frank Reich showed himself for a fraud in Indianapolis and a scoundrel as well the way he threw his offensive coordinator under the bus just to still get fired by Ursay like five days later for losing the next game that's pitiful uh that's weak weakling stuff and uh 
if Bryce Young has to deal with a weakling coach in addition to everything else, then it's kind of, I'm not really willing to judge him too much yet, but all the same, what's going to get better exactly? The the matchup isn't getting better. The matchup's getting worse. So uh, tough spot for Bryce. Uh, Yeah, not fair what he's having to deal with. So, you know, I was saying last week that this could be like the greatest week in history for Duke football uh, with, with uh, you know, Noah Gray, like suddenly being on the on the fantasy radar and, and them having just beaten Clemson. Bryce Young sputtering out of the gate and Alabama losing to Texas. Tough time to be a Tide fan. Um, and my my thoughts and prayers go out to you. How is the spread two and a half and three? What am I missing here? Like, this is all this is one of those where I'm always wrong, but how the hell are the Saints not going to win by like 25 points? It, that's that's what I'm thinking, and that's what obviously <laughs> scares you off of it. Yeah. But um, I'm still going to u- use the Saints as, as my pick in this one. I, I, I think the Panthers are are uh, tough, a tough watch uh, this season, and having them on national television like this is um, it's unfortunate. Um, let's finish up. Browns, Stillers, Browns, two-point favorites in this one on the road. Browns, impressive, obviously, you know, kind of steamrolled the Bengals last week, and the the Steelers were steamrolled by the 49ers. So, yeah. by extension, is this a, is this a double steamroll, or do, do, do the two steamrollings cancel each other out? Well, uh, Tomlin teams don't quit over the course of a year, and I, I don't think they quit against the 49ers either, but they were definitely shell-shocked, had no answers whatsoever. Patrick Peterson... Let's just pull the plug on this already. That was ridiculous. He sucks. Um, it's not his fault, but it's kind of embarrassing how he has no awareness of it at all. Like, he thinks he's still awesome. And it's like, man, if you're going to talk like that, don't don't give up that Ayuk touchdown. You know, have some awareness. I don't know, a little bit anyway. Uh, anyway, the, the Browns, I think, look pretty tough. And if the Schwartz defense is making those corners, especially the corner returns under Joe Woods were so bad, especially given that he was a defensive backs coach initially. I don't know how they got such bad returns out of Ward, Newsom, and, and this Emerson appears pretty good. So uh looks like Schwartz is more like cutting those corners loose in the sense of letting them play like aggressive man coverage and stuff. And that frees up more to blitz and then everything like that. And Miles Garrett, of course, looking menacing right now. Uh, Kenny Pickett, looking like he's not even the CFL quarterback that I thought he was. He's uh, making me worry that he's not even the slot receiver project that I recently thought that he was. Uh, he has nothing. The Steelers, uh, they have to run the ball and they have to stick with it and get something going. Cause they're not going to throw the ball. Right. So uh, with, with that in mind, um, I, I remember kind of a recurring theme from last year was we, we like running backs against the Browns. Uh, how did, how does that change now with, with the defensive upgrade in Cleveland? Yeah, I don't know. The personnel was not very good against the run, to be fair to Joe Woods, but I do happen to think at this point that he kind of just made everything worse than it needed to be. So Schwartz was never known, I don't think anyway, I don't think Schwartz was ever known for being a good run defense defensive coordinator. If anything, I thought that was like a trade-off of his because he always did that wide nine alignment that would leave contain and uh, the the interior run defense a little weak, but it's they got better results last week, and uh, the the personnel has improved too. Uh, they got more at defensive tackle than they did in the past. So uh, you know they got that that two gap guy from Utah, or, or was that the the Baylor guy? I can't remember. Um, 
it was a Baylor guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the the Baylor guy who is huge. They got him at like his nose tackle now. That's good to see. Not Sean Oakman for the record. Oh God, no, no the nose tackle uh, like Aika or whatever. Uh, anyway, he in a, Phil, in a couple Phil other Taylor guys. from Baylor. Just names, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Danny Watkins. Uh, sorry to throw anyway. you off. No, it was, it was, it, I love to remember some guys. Forgot about <laughs> Phil Taylor, but uh, I think the the Browns just completely, uh, not completely kill them because the Steelers are going to play tough. But Steelers are are sinking, man. Pickett, he's not going to make it to October. <sighs> Strong words, but I, I expect nothing less. But yeah. All the more impressive to to drop a take of of that temperature um, after after a lengthy. It's pod. Trubisky time. If he's still on the team, I don't even know who their backup is. Whoever uh, it is, it's that it's it, that time. I think it's Mason Rudolph. He's not Mason allowed Rudolph to wear the face time. mask. He's not aware, allowed to wear the face mask. He has to just have the helmet with none of the fixings on it. And uh, we'll just see where it goes. I mean, and beautifully, can't, prime time against can't, the Browns. Yeah, I was gonna say they can't bench Pickett for this game because uh, Miles Garrett would uh, murder Mason Rudolph. But after this game, I think it's it's Rudolph time, maybe. Boy, that, and uh, I guess there there was some chatter here uh, in in the comments section. Your thoughts on Calvin Austin given the uh, the Deontay Johnson injury? Uh, He's well, fun, but I'm not sure that you can budget more than like five or six targets to him, and a lot of them might be like bubble screen like right at the line of scrimmage and and see if he can weave his way through traffic um and yeah, so, he, was, he was getting a lot of usage but it was kind of desperate you know like mm-hmm. they were just kind of they just didn't know what else to do so i i like austin a little bit i i have no sense of how much he can do on plays that are more base function play he had a lot of like design screens and stuff is what i mean so uh as far as running organic routes i don't know what he has and moreover alan robinson played over him last week Oh, that that is a good point. Uh, Alan Robinson come back from the dead. To, did he? Uh, did, I, oh, I guess he had five catches. Yeah, so that's that's pretty. I know nice. he led the Steelers in in receiving yards, but I, I think that that go, goes to show. If you asked anyone in Steelers Nation, you show them a box score, you, you say, "Hey, uh, our our guy Alan Robinson led us in receiving today." He's, oh my God, was it a disaster? Yes, it was. It was yeah. it? probably worse than you think too. Yeah, somehow even worse than the score would suggest. Um, I've been on the Steelers all week as a bounce back, but uh, you raised some very legitimate concerns. They'll bounce back a little. Like, they're not going to look that bad two weeks in a row. Tomlin won't allow it. But their problem is they're at a major talent disadvantage here. Yes, and that that should be able uh, to be enough for for Cleveland to to carry this one. No Um, Hayward. no, Hayward, that, that's also uh, pretty significant. They, they just can never get out of week one without like a devastating defensive injury. Um, but that's going to do it for us here on the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, the week two uh, breakdown edition. Huge thanks to our sponsors over at Rival Fantasy, over at Better Vision and Vivid Seats. And of course, our podcasting host, uh, the, the Blue Wire Network. For Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for this. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.